نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله verily the praise belongs to Allah we praise him seek his assistance and forgiveness and we seek refuge in Allah from the evil of ourselves and the evil consequences of our deeds whoever Allah guides there is no one that can lead him astray and whoever Allah leads astray there is no one that can guide him i bear witness that nothing deserves to be worshiped except Allah alone and that he has no partners or associates and i bear witness that muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam is his slave servant and his messenger this evening bi idnillahi ta'ala in this lecture number 54 from the sharh for explanation of kitab at-tawhid alladhi huwa haqqu Allah 'ala al-'abid by Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab ibn Sulaiman al-Tamimi al-Najdi rahimahullah in this chapter the final chapter of his book Al-Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab he has discussed the topic of the greatness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala over all of his creation and due to this his right to be worshiped alone he has entitled this chapter باب ما جاء في قول الله تعالى وما قدر الله حق قدره الايه يعني this chapter is entitled that which has been reported concerning the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala وما قدر الله حق قدره that they meaning the pagan disbelievers the mushrikun that they have not made a just estimate of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala yani they have not given Allah his just due in their estimation of his greatness and his glory and his magnificence and his power and his authority and his right to be worshiped alone wa ma qadara Allah haqqa qadrihi the meaning of ma qadara Allah ma ta'azzama ma ta'azzamu Allah haqqa ta'zimihi that they have not glorified and and recognize and acknowledge the greatness and the magnificence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in accordance with his full greatness and power and authority they have not given him his just due in this chapter al-imam muhammad ibn abdul wahhab has mentioned a number of evidences first this ayah from the quran and then a hadith of the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam in which he has explained this ayah he has given his explanation and then a number of other hadith from a very a number of companions of the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam related to this topic of the ta'zim the greatness of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his right to be worshiped alone and the necessity or the obligation of avoiding any type of shirk with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala before mentioning the evidence the evidence is 
that Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab rahimahullah has mentioned in this chapter we will briefly look at the comments the ta'liq of Shaykh Abdul Aziz ibn Abdullah ibn Baz rahimahullah concerning this chapter the Shaykh rahimahullah said that this is the final chapter of the book and it has combined the three types of tawheed within this chapter he has discussed the three types of tawheed yani tawheed al-rububiyyah that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the only Rabb the only one who has control over this universe the creator and the one who decides what happens within it and tawheed al-ubudiyah that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the only one that deserves to be worshipped as well as the tawheed of asma wa sifat in which some of the names of Allah and some of the sifat or characteristics of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have been mentioned showing his greatness and his glory and his right to be singled out for worship he said in this the final chapter of the book he has combined the three types of tawheed and concerning the saying of Allah that he began with the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala وَمَا قَدَرُوا اللَّهَ حَقَّ قَدْرِهِ he said that this ayat clarifies the greatness and the power or the greatness of the power of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that he will roll up the heavens and the earth that he will roll up the heavens and the earth and he will roll them up like a scroll just as somebody rolls up a piece of paper Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by his greatness and his glory and his power he will roll up the whole of the heavens and the earth in the same way and he said that whoever has such a strength as this then he is the one that has the right to be worshipped and to be obeyed he is the one that has the perfection in his names and in his characteristics as well as his actions there is no one that is similar to him and there is no one that is equal to him and none, nothing in his creation can be compared to him because he is the one that has power over everything subhanahu يعني, subhanahu he is يعني, the one who is free of any imperfection then the shaykh mentions the first hadith in which it is mentioned that a habr from amongst the people of the book يعني, from amongst the Jews a scholar a person who possessed great knowledge he said a scholar from amongst the scholars of the Jews he came to the Prophet and he mentioned in that hadith that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would put the heavens and the earth on a finger and he would put the different parts of the creation on on five fingers so if we consider the greatness of these created things the heavens and the earth and so on and that he would take them in his hand and he would shake them and he would say I am the king and he would say we are the tyrants and we are the proud and arrogant we are the kings of the earth and then the Prophet ﷺ recited this ayat in confirmation of what that scholar from amongst the Jews had reported to him here Shaykh Abdul Aziz ibn Baz says that in, in this is a confirmation of the sifat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala أَنَّهُ سُبْحَانُهُ لَهُ يَمِينُ وَالشِّمَالُ that he has a right and a left 
وَكِلْتَ يَدَيْهِ يَمِينَ And both of his hands, they are right. Yani even if they are described by right and left, but in fact both of them are right in terms of the perfection and the honest status of the hands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is, as it has been mentioned in another hadith, uh, where he has named one of them, yeah, the other of them, he has named one the right and the other the left, and this is just in terms of a name, that it is named by, however, in terms of its meaning and its honored status, then both of them are yameen subhanahu wa ta'ala, and there is no defect or imperfection in either of them. And likewise, al-kaf, the palm, yeah, and it has also been confirmed as a sifa of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as it was mentioned that neither the seven heavens nor the seven earths in the palm of Ar-Rahman, that is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they would not be anything more than like a mustard seed in the hand of one of you. Then the shaykh uh, closes by saying that these are a hadith of the sifat, the characteristics of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And they are also from a hadith al-ulu, that show the highness and the exalted position of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that the Ahl sunnah wal jama'ah have come to consensus or ijma' concerning Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he is above his arsh. He is above his throne. And that he is above all of his creation. And that his knowledge, his knowledge is in every place, meaning he has knowledge of everything, and the evidences concerning this are too many. Uh, then he mentions the hadith of Ibn Mas'ud, and he said that this is a hadith which is Sahih Jayyid, even though it is a re- it's reported from Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, the second report in this chapter, the second report, it is narrated mawqufan, yani as a statement of Abdullah ibn, ibn Mas'ud. And Shaykh Abdulaziz ibn Baz rahimahullah said uh, that this hadith it is sahih and it should be understood that it is marfu'un and he attributed to the Prophet due to the meaning of what it contains that it cannot be something that is reached by mere opinion. And also the hadith of Al-Abbas which is I think the last hadith in the chapter he said even though it contains some break in the chain However, that break, it is fixed and it is raised up to be an acceptable hadith. Then finally, the Shaykh says uh, that in this chapter there is clarification of the greatness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and His exalted status and that nothing of the actions of the children of Adam are hidden from Him even though He is far high above the creation. And also in this, there is an indication of the height or the highness of the creatures and the extensiveness of the creation of Allah and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who is the creator of all of this He is the one who has created it therefore He is greater than it and He is bigger than it and then He closed with these words Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen wa sallallahu ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam This is a summary of what Shaykh Abdul Aziz ibn Baz said concerning this chapter and now to look at the evidences one by one that Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab rahimahullah has mentioned in this chapter, the final chapter of Kitab al-Tawheed, showing indeed the distinction 
in greatness and glory of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala over everything in his creation. The first evidence that he mentions وَقَوْلُ اللَّهِ تَعَالَى وَمَا قَدَرُ اللَّهَ حَقَّ قَدْرِهِ That they, meaning the pagan disbelievers, they have not given Allah a due estimation. Yani they have not estimated the greatness of Allah in a way that is right and just or fair to him. حَقَّ قَدْرِهِ Because of this, they have associated something in the creation with him. And they have worshipped some of the, creat- some of the creatures as though they have a right to be worshipped equal to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If they knew the greatness of Allah, then they would never have worshipped anything besides Him. Yani, they are not giving Allah His due estimation. It means that they have underestimated Allah to the extent that they have made something in the creation equal to Him and they have given those creatures worship, which is the exclusive right of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. Then Allah mentions His greatness and shows how great He is and how can anyone make anything in the creation equal to Him? وَمَا قَدْرُ اللَّهَ حَقَّ قَدْرِهِ وَالْأَرْضُ جَمِيعًا قَبْضَتُهُ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ And the earth, the whole of it, it will be in the grip or the grass. قَبْضَتُهُ It will be in the grip of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on yawm al-qiyamah. The earth, the whole of it, it will be in the grip of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَالسَّمَاوَاتُ مَطْوِيَاتٌ بِيَمِينِهِ سُبْحَانَهُ وَتَعَالَى أَمَّا يُشْرِكُونَ And the heavens, the seven heavens, that they will be rolled up. Like a scroll, like a piece of paper. Matwiyatun biyaminihi. In his right hand. In the right hand of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Subhanahu wa ta'ala amma yushrikun. Here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala closes this ayat after saying that they have not given him his just, just due. And then showing them his greatness and his power that the earth, the whole of it would be in his grip. And the heavens would be rolled up in his right hand. And then he says, Subhanahu. Yani declare that the tasbih or the tanzih declare Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as being free from any imperfection or from having anything in his creation being in resemblance to him or similar to him or equal to him and he is the most high above what they have associated with him ta'ala wa ta'ala amma yushrikun yani that which they have worshipped besides him or that which they have made as equals to him and they are not giving him his due estimation. Yani that which is imperfect, they have made it equal to the one who is perfect. And that which is powerless, they have made it equal to the one who is all-powerful. But on the day of resurrection, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will show his full power and glory, when he will take the whole of the earth in his grip, and he will roll up the heavens like a scroll, on that day, there will be no one who will claim any power or any authority besides him. Shaykh Muhammad al-Qara'awi, Hafizahullah, says concerning this ayah, that here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala informs us that the pagan disbelievers, they didn't use to glorify Allah or exalt him in the way that he is due. Since they used to worship something else along with him. Yani they used to worship him and along with him, they used to worship something from his creatures. While he is Al-Malik, the one who has control over and who possesses and owns everything. And he is Al-Qadir, the one who has power over everything. And whoever has such power, or from the power of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, is that the whole of the earth would be in his grip on the day of resurrection and that the heavens would be rolled up in his right hand. Subhanallah wa ta'ala amma yushrikun. Allah should be 
we should declare and acknowledge the perfection of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that he is free from any imperfection and that he is far above and high removed from that which they associate with him. The Shaykh mentions two benefits from this ayat. The first of them is that whoever worships something along with Allah then that one has not given Allah his just due. They have not glorified or shown or acknowledged the greatness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as is due to him. The second point is the obligation of ta'zeem of Allah. The obligation of glorifying Allah and declaring his greatness and declaring him to be free from whatever is not suitable to his majesty. Declaring him to be free of whatever has been ascribed to him that is not suitable or appropriate to his greatness and his glory and his majesty. Here the Shaykh mentions the relationship of this ayah to the chapter under discussion and the general topic of a tawheed and the relationship of this ayat as well as all of the hadiths that follow the relationship of all of these evidences to this chapter that they have not given Allah his just due, his just estimation the relationship to this chapter and the relationship of these evidences all of them to the general topic of a tawheed is the same that all of them indicate the obligation of declaring the greatness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the way that is due to him and this ta'zeem of Allah or declaring his greatness it means to act in accordance with his tawheed yani to single him out for all that is his exclusive rights everything that is his exclusive right to give it to him alone and to acknowledge his being free from any shirk yani that there is nothing or no one that shares with him in any of what is his exclusive right and likewise, we can add to this that whoever doesn't declare the greatness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by worshipping something along with Allah or acknowledging something as an equal to Allah or something that has a share in that which is his, that which is his exclusive right whoever does so, then this is a negation of a tawheed and a negation of one's iman. And the second evidence that the imam mentions is that hadith which is reported by Al-Bukhari and Muslim and after mentioning the main text of this hadith he also mentions some variant narrations that are recorded singly by Al-Bukhari or singly by Al-Imam Muslim rahimahullah. and this hadith and its various narrations is reported from Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiyallahu anhu قال جاء حبر من الأحبار إلى رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم that a habr يعني a scholar a person who contained a great amount of knowledge from amongst the scholars of the Jews came to the messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم and said to him يا محمد إنا نجد أن الله يجعل السماوات على إصبع والأرضين على إصبع والشجرة على إصبع Yani that scholar from amongst the Jews, he said, Ya Muhammad, O Muhammad, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. He said, We find, meaning the Jews, they found in their books, in their scriptures, in the Torah, we find that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will place the heavens on a finger. And that Jew was pointing according to some of the narrations as found in Al Bukhari and the explanation of the Shah of Al Bukhari. 
He said that the Jew was pointing with his finger, demonstrating, showing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will put the heavens on a finger. And of course, we should not imagine for one moment that there's any likeness between the finger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the finger of his creatures, whether human or animal or otherwise. But indeed, he said, ala isba' and he meant a finger, not some interpretation of it. But he said, ala isba', he would put the heavens on a finger. And the Prophet ﷺ was listening to him. And the Prophet ﷺ was witnessing what he was saying and what he was doing. And he didn't reject it. And he didn't deny it. And he didn't refute it. He said that he would put the heavens ala isba'in. And he would put the earth ala isba'in on a finger. And he would put the trees on a finger. And he would put the soil of the earth on a finger. And he would put the rest of the creation. Yani whatever else remained in his creation ala isba'in on a finger fayaqulu ana al-maliku and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would say ana al-malik i am the king yani the king meaning the one who has absolute total power and control and authority over everything everything in the creation would be placed on his fingers and then he would say ana al-maliku i am the king the one who controls everything there's no one to contest him on that day what was the response of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam fadahika al-Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam hatta badat nawajithuhu tasdiqan liqawli al-habri yani the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam smiled he smiled to such an extent or he laughed to such an extent that his molar teeth appeared they showed from the broadness of his smile and that smile it was tasdiqan liqawl al-habr yani it was in agreement or in confirmation of the saying of that Jewish scholar the Prophet ﷺ agreed with what he was saying he was in agreement with it thumma qara'a then the Prophet ﷺ read then he recited that which had been revealed to him in the Quran which the statement of the Jewish scholar was in agreement with the same as what he was saying is what Allah has revealed to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam ثم قرأ وما قدر الله حق قدره والأرض جميعا قبضته يوم القيامة then the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam read this ayat that they meaning the pagan disbelievers had not given the just estimate to Allah as is due to him and that all of the earth it would be in the grip of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on yawm al-qiyamah and the heavens would be rolled up in his right hand then Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab mentions another narration وَفِي رِوَايَةٍ لِمُسْلِمْ In a different narration of this hadith reported by Imam Muslim رحمه الله It is said وَالْجِبَالُ وَالشَّجَرُ عَلَىٰ إِصْبَعٍ And that the mountains and the trees will be on a finger ثُمَّ يَحُزُّهُنَّ Then he will shake them Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will shake them lightly فَيَقُولُ أَنَا الْمَلَكُ أَنَا اللَّهِ And then he will say I am the king, the one who has absolute power and control over everything. I am Allah. Yani the one who has uluhiyya, the one who has divinity and the right to be worshipped. Wafi riwayatin lil Bukhari, and in another narration of the same hadith from Abdul ibn Mas'ud, report about Bukhari, he said, Yaj'alu as samawati ala isba'in, wal ma'a wa thara ala isba'in, wa sa'ir al khalq ala isba'in, akhrajahu. And in this one he said that he would put the heavens on a finger and he would put the water 
and the soil of the earth on a finger and the rest of the creation on a finger and both of them reported yani, meaning this hadith of Abdul bin Mas'ud has been reported by both Al-Bukhari and Muslim and these are the last two yani, reports they are variant narrations of the same hadith uh, the Shaykh Al-Qara'awi Hafidhullah says the general meaning of this hadith is that Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu he has informed us that a man from amongst the Jews came to the Prophet and mentioned to him that they meaning the Jews find in their books meaning in their scriptures that was revealed to them they find that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the day of resurrection he will make the heavens or he will put the heavens on a finger and he will put the earth meaning all of the earth the seven earths on a finger and the trees on a finger and the soil of the earth on a finger and in the narration yani the soil and the water the soil and the water of the earth on a finger and the remaining uh, parts of the creation on a finger and that he will show something of his power and his greatness that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by doing so will show something something of his power and his greatness yani he will shake it and he would announce his sovereignty yani the real mulk that it belongs to him and the perfection of his authority and control his absolute control over everything and his uluhiya yani his true right to be worshipped alone from the benefits of this hadith the shaykh mentions six the first of them is the agreement between the Jews or the Jewish religion al yahudiya and Islam that the Jewish religion and Islam have agreed in the confirmation of Al-Asabi'a Lillahi Ala Wajhin Yaliku Bijalalihi that they are in agreement upon the confirmation of fingers as a characteristic or a description of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in a way that is suitable and appropriate to His Majesty and His glory yani keeping in mind that the Aqeedah of Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah in general is that we confirm whatever has been authentically reported to us whether from the Quran or the Sahih Hadith we confirm it in the way that it is understood in the Arabic language without reinterpreting it without negating it without making comparison or examples between the Creator Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and His creation and we say that it is as Allah said the how of it it is known only to Allah however what is understood in the Arabic language that Allah has a face we say Allah has a face if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said that He has a hand in Arabic language, we understand what is a hand, the how of it, of course, it is not like the hands of animals or the hands of humans or the hands of anything in the creation. So here he said that there is agreement between the Jewish religion and Islam on the confirmation of Al-Asabiyah, fingers for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the way that is suitable and appropriate to His Majesty and His glory. The second is the clarification of the greatness of Allah and His power. The third is that laughing for a reason yani if there is a reason to laugh this is not a negation of good manners this is not a negation of good manners yani the Prophet ﷺ, he laughed when the Jewish scholar said what he said not out of disrespect but it was appropriate because his laugh was showing his pleasure and his agreement with what was said he was happy that he had said something from them that is an agreement with what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has revealed to him number four the obligation of accepting the truth whatever is its source yani wherever it may come from if the truth comes to us we have to accept it even if it comes from a Jew or a Christian or a pagan 
when somebody speaks the truth, we accept it. If it is true, we accept it, no matter what is its source. Number five, the confirmation of two names, of the names of Allah, and they are Al-Maliku and Allah. Two of the names of Allah, Al-Maliku, the king, and Allah. And these two names also comprise two sifa, sifatain, two characteristics of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and they are Al-Mulk, the sovereignty, yani that Allah is the sovereign, the one who owns everything in the kingdom, and Al-Uluhiyyah, divinity or the right to be worshipped alone. The sixth and the last of the benefits from this hadith is the confirmation of the characteristic of Al-Qawl, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, that He speaks. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will say, Ana Al-Maliku, Ana Al-Maliku, Ana Allah. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks. And as I said, the relationship of this hadith like the previous ayat and the hadith which follow to this chapter and the subject of the tawheed is the obligation of declaring the greatness and glory of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that means to acknowledge his tawheed and to negate from him shirk or to avoid falling into shirk the third evidence is that which is reported by Imam Muslim from Abdullah ibn Umar radiyallahu anhuma wali muslimin an ibn Umarah رضي الله أنهما may Allah be pleased with him and his father marfu'an marfu'an يعني that hadith he is attributing it to the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم and he said that is the Messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم said يتوي الله السماوات يوم القيامة that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would fold up or roll up the heavens on the day of resurrection يعني here Abdullah ibn Umar رضي الله أنهما is saying that he heard the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم saying that Allah would roll up the heavens on the day of resurrection. When he rolled them up, then he would take them in his right hand. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would speak. يقولوا, he would say, الملك, I am the king, the one who has power and authority over everything. أين المتكبرون Where are those جبار, tyrants, the people who transgress the bounds and oppress others. And where are the متكبرون, the proud and arrogant. Those who, in their pride, against the truth, when it comes to them, they reject it. And against the people, they show disrespect towards others. And they look down upon others as though they are better than them. يعني الكبر, it has two characteristics. Either it is the one who rejects the truth when it comes to him, or the one who looks down on others. After he will say this, Then he will roll up the seven earths, the seven earths. And then he will take them in his shimal, in his left hand. And by the way, this, the point concerning this narration of the hadith bishimali and some of the narration said bilukhra in his other hand not using the expression shimalihi and in some of the narrations yani it is not mentioned at all and some of the scholars said that this hadith though it is reported by Imam Muslim it has been reported by others who although the narrator who narrated it with this expression bishimalihi though he was a thicker reliable narrator those who are more reliable than him narrated it without this expression and Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu has also narrated an authentic hadith without this expression and some suggested for this reason that perhaps he has used this expression shimal instead of al-ukhra because normally in the Arabic language and even in the English language 
that the, the two are mentioned together right and left. So he mentioned left, whether or not it is really confirmed from the Prophet ﷺ that he used this expression shimal, or did he say bil ukhra with his other hand not using the expression left, it is questionable. But even if he has used it, then other hadith make us to know that the meaning of right and left here is not as we understand in the creatures or in the humans, that one is better than the other. But they are both perfect because in some of the narrations of other hadith, the Prophet ﷺ said, وَكِلْتَ يَدَيْهِ يَمِينَ يعني Both of his hands, they are right. Meaning both of them are perfect without any defect in them. So he said he will take the seven earths in his shimal, in his left hand. Then he will say, I am the king who has power and authority over everything. Ainal Jabbarun, Ainal Mutakabbirun, we are the tyrants, we are the proud and arrogant ones. In fact, Sheikh Abdul Aziz ibn Abdul Ibn Baz, Rahimahullah, as we mentioned in the introduction, he made it clear that the use of these two expressions, Yani Al Yameen was Shimal, here it is not uh, it doesn't mean that there is a difference between them, but both of them in reality, in meaning and in honored status, they are both equal in perfection and there is no defect or shortcoming in either of the two hands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The general meaning of this hadith, the shaykh says, that in it, Abdullah ibn Umar radiallahu anhuma informs us that the Prophet sallallahu informed them that Allah azza wa jalla, that soon he will roll up the heavens, the seven heavens, on the day of resurrection, and that he will take them in his right hand, and he will roll up the seven earths, and he will take them in his left hand. And that each time he rolls up one of them, he will call out to those who are tyrants and oppressors and arrogant proud ones to show the insignificance of their affair, to show that they are insignificant, and to announce that he is the one who has the real authority and the perfect authority over everything, his authority which is never weakened and it never ends and that everyone besides him whether a king or the subject of a king whether of the just or those who are unjust that all of them would be removed and all of them are humbled in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he is not asked about what he does but they meaning all of the creatures will be asked about what they do Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the only one who has a tasarruf al-mutlaq absolute authority to do whatever he wills and nobody can question him about what he has done because he has the power and the authority and the right to do whatever he wills and whatever he does is just however the human beings they are not like him they will be asked they will be questioned those who are tyrants and those who are unjust and those who are proud and arrogant they will be questioned about what they have done from the from this hadith the shaykh mentions al-fawaid the benefits he mentions six the first of them is confirmation of two hands for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in reality, right and left, yameen and shimal. Yani isbat anna lillahi yadaini haqiqataini. Two real hands. However, of course, as we said, yani it should be understood in a way that it's suitable to the majesty of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We confirm the reality of it. However, the how of it is known only to Allah. Just as we don't know the how of Allah's divine being. How does Allah exist? How is His existence? Likewise, we don't know the reality of the how, of the characteristics of His divine being. 
The second benefit is the confirmation of Sifat al-Qawl, yani that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, He speaks some, says something, and this should be understood in a way that is suitable to His Majesty, His Greatness, and His Glory. Number three, the confirmation of the name Al-Malik. Confirmation of this ism for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the one of His names is Al-Malik. And this name contains the sifa, or it comprises a characteristic of Allah also, and that is Al-Mulk. And this is one of the rules in Tawheed Al-Asma wa Sifat, that the names of Allah, all of them, also contain a sifa, a characteristic of Allah. Every name of Allah is not only a name that He is called by, but it also indicates something about His characteristics. So Al-Malik, it is a name that Allah is called by, and it also indicates that He is the one who has the mulk or the authority over everything. Uh, and likewise, Allah is one of the names of Allah that's mentioned here, and it indicates His uluhiyah, His divinity or His right to be worshipped. Number four, the confirmation of the seven heavens. And in this hadith, it is confirmed. In the hadith of Abdullah ibn Umar, reported by Al-Imam Muslim, it is confirmed that the earths are seven, just as the heavens are seven. Number five, the prohibition, tahreem of at-tajabbur and takabbur. And it is prohibited to do injustice or to transgress the bounds against others. And it is prohibited to be proud or arrogant. And rejecting the truth when it comes to you or looking down upon others thinking that they are less than you. Number six, the clarification of the ismatullah, yani the perfection of Allah or the power of Allah. The isma of Allah in this hadith we see that it is a clarification of how great is the power and the perfection of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the relationship of this hadith to the chapter under discussion and tawheed is as we said the obligation of ta'zeem of Allah and that means his tawheed and uh, tanzih, yani removing from Allah or negating from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala any shirk. The next evidence that Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab mentions it is a hadith that is mukhtalifun fihi. Yani there is different of opinion amongst the scholars about the authenticity of this hadith and even Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab rahimahullah has indicated this point in narrating the hadith with the expression that the scholars of hadith use in reference to a narration that is not confirmed. He said, Ruiyah on Ibn Abbas, Ruiyah. And we know that this type of expression, Ruiyah, it means that there is some question about, usually, that there is some question about the authenticity of the hadith. One of the narrators in the chain of narratives of this hadith, Amr ibn Malik, he has only been given confirmation or tawfiq by Ibn Hibban. And we know that the confirmation or tawfiq of Ibn Hibban it is of different levels and some of them are not very reliable. For this reason, there is some question about the reliability of this hadith. However, the grandson of Shaykh Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab, Shaykh Suleiman ibn Abdullah, he said, هَذَا الْإِثْنَادِ بِنَقْدِ صَحِيحِ In his consideration or in his opinion, he felt that the isnad of this hadith is sahih. It is sahih or acceptable. In any case, this hadith it is reported from Ibn Abbas radiyallahu anhuma annuhu qal mas-samawatu as-sab'u wal-arduna as-sab'u fi kaffi ar-rahmani illa kakhardalatin fi yadi ahadikum that Ibn Abbas radiyallahu anhuma that he said that the seven heavens and the seven earths fi kaffi ar-rahman in the palm of ar-rahman in the palm of Ar-Rahman, it is no more than the likeness 
of a mustard seed in the hand of one of you just as insignificant would be a mustard seed in the hand of one of the human beings just as insignificant as it would be in one of your hands likewise the seven heavens and the seven earths would be equally as insignificant in the hand of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and in this indeed it shows that in spite of the greatness of the seven heavens and the greatness of the seven earths the greatness of the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in comparison uh, to the creatures even though these even though these things are great but in comparison to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala they are very very insignificant the shaykh says the general meaning of this hadith is that in it Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu has, has informed us that in this athar he has informed us that نِسْبَةِ السَّمَوَاتِ السَّبَعَةِ وَالْأَرْضِينَ السَّبَعَةِ مَا عَظَمِهِنَّ إِلَى كَفِّ الرَّحْمَانِ كَنِسْبَةِ الْخَرْدَلَةِ الصَّغِيرَةِ إِلَى كَفِّ أَحَدِينَا يعني the relationship of the seven heavens and the seven earths in spite of their greatness in spite of their greatness and immensity that the relationship of these seven heavens and seven earths in the hand of Ar-Rahman, in the hand of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, is like the relationship or the insignificance of a small mustard seed in the hand of one of you. In the hand of one of you. And this is a tashbih or a comparison for the nisbah. Nisbah bin nisbah. وَلَيْسَ تَشْبِيهًا لِلْكَفْ بِالْكَفْ yani There is no relationship here or there is no comparison. We are not comparing the hand or the kaf, the palm of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to the palm of one of us. There is no comparison in this statement here. But the comparison is a comparison between the relationship of the seven heavens and the seven earths in the hand of Allah. It's comparison to the relationship of a mustard seed in the hand of one of us. Just as the mustard seed is very insignificant in the, in the palm of a human being, likewise in the same way Similarly, is the insignificance of the seven heavens and the seven earths in the palm of Allah. Yani the insignificance of the mustard seed is being compared to the insignificance of the seven heavens and the seven earths in the palm of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And there can be no comparison between the palm of Allah and the palm of the creatures because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, there is no comparison between His characteristics with anything just as there is no comparison between his divine being and anything. And there is no comparison with the that or the divine being of Allah with anything in the creation. And likewise, his characteristics cannot be compared to the characteristics of anything in the creation. The benefits from this effort he mentions too, the first of them is that the earth are seven. And also that Abdullah ibn Abbas, radiallahu anhuma, he has confirmed al-kaf the palm as a characteristic for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in a way that is suitable to His Majesty and His glory. And here the Shaykh, he hasn't mentioned anything of the relationship of this Athar to the, to the chapter under discussion or the topic of it. So it always is the same, the obligation of acknowledging the greatness and glory of Allah and avoiding falling into shirk. The next evidence that the Shaykh mentions the next evidence that the Shaykh rahimahullah mentions is that which has been reported from Al-Tabari and there are two narrations here the narration of Ibn Zayd and the narration of Abizar radiallahu anhum and Al-Tabari, Al-Imam Al-Tabari 
the Imam of Tafsir, he has reported both of them with, a, with the same chain. The first of them, according to the best opinion of the scholars, is Mursal and it is Da'if, weak. And the second of them, according to the best opinion of the scholars, due to the numerous chains of narration, it is, though it has defects in it, it is raised up to the level of being Hassan, the second of them. So here he mentions Waqala ibn Jarir, that is Al-Imam Al-Tabari, rahimahullah, he said, Haddathani Yunus, Qala Akhbarana ibn Wahab, Qala Qala ibn Zayd, Haddathani Abi, Qala Qala Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Yani, Al-Imam Al-Tabari said that Yunus has reported to him, saying that Ibn Wahab has reported to us, saying that Ibn Zayd, and that is Abdurrahman ibn Zayd ibn Aslam, has has said that my father has reported to me that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu said مَسْتَمَوَاتُ السَّبْعُ فِي الْقُرْسِيِّ إِلَّا كَذَرَاهِمَ سَبَعَةٍ أُلْقِيَةٍ فِي الْتُرْسِي Yani this first narration which is according to the best opinion of the scholars Da'if it is Mursal, it doesn't have a complete chain and also one of the narrators is a weak narrator that is the son of yani Ibn Zayd Abdurrahman Ibn Zayd is weak he is a weak narrator so this hadith is not authentic. However, its meaning is included in the previous evidences from the Quran and from the Sunnah. The general meaning of it, showing the greatness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Here he said that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu said that the seven heavens in relation to the kursi is no more than the likeness of some silver coins, the rahim. Seven silver coins which are placed or thrown or molded in the shield that someone uses in the battle. And it just as those coins are very small and insignificant, so likewise would be the insignificance of the seven heavens in reference to the Al-Qursi, the footstool of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then he mentions the narration of Abu Dhar radiallahu anhu, Samaitu Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam yaqul, ma al-Qursi, ma al-Qursi fil-arshi illa kahalqatin min hadidin ulqiyat and this one, according to Shaykh al-Albani, due to the Majmu'a Turuq, any number of narrations, he considered this hadith to be Hassan. And he mentioned it in As-Sahiha, in the first volume, number 109. He said that Abu Dhar, radiallahu anhu, said that the Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, said that the Qursi, the footstool of Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, in relation to Al-Arsh, the throne of Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, it is as insignificant, or it is no more than the likeness of an iron ring that is thrown in a vast open desert or a vast open field. Yeah, and it's just like a small iron ring if it was thrown into the desert, its insignificance in reference to the desert is like the insignificance or the smallness of the kursi in reference to the greatness of the earth. reported by Al-Tabari, he said that the Prophet ﷺ has informed us in each of these two narrations, the narration of Abdurrahman ibn Zayd and the narration of Abu Dhar anhu, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has a kursi and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has a throne and that each of them is great. However, the, the throne is greater than the kursi. The throne, Al-Arsh, is greater than Al-Kursi. Naam. However, the throne is greater than the kursi. 
and that is because the relationship of the seven heavens to the kursi is like the relationship of seven small silver coins in reference to a shield that one uses in the battle and the relationship of the kursi to the arsh is like the relationship of a small iron ring that is thrown in a vast open field and here the shaykh says that there have also been other hadith narrated showing or narrating or mentioning both the kursi and the arsh yani the footstool and the throne together and it has also been reported authentically from Abdul ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma that the kursi he said and the kursi mawdi' qadami ar-rahman yani that the kursi it is the place of the two feet of, uh, of Allah ar-rahman and that the arsh لا يقدر قدره إلا الله تبارك وتعالى and that the arsh it is so great and immense that nobody can estimate its greatness except Allah the blessed and the most high al-fawaid or the benefits from this narration the shaykh mentions three the first of them is confirmation of al-kursi the footstool and al-arsh the throne for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that each of them it is a body يعني an existent entity that is created the second of them is that darb al-amthal al-ta'aleem yani using examples in teaching it is from the asalib al-shari'i al-islamiyya yani that the method or the style of teaching according to the islamic sharia allows it is one of the methods of teaching that is using examples comparisons between things in order to bring clarity to their reality the third of them is the clarification of the greatness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala yani this Hadith shows the greatness of Allah because if we see the greatness of his kursi in reference to the seven heavens and we see the greatness of his arsh greater than the kursi then how much greater is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself the creator of them all and the relationship of this of these hadith to the chapter and the general su- subject of the tawheed is the obligation of the ta'adheem of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and acknowledging him singly alone as the only one that should be worshipped and avoiding shirk the next evidence that Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab has mentioned is the hadith also a narration which is mawquf it is a narration which is mawquf a statement of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud however according to the correct opinion of the scholars of hadith and the people of sunnah because it is not a matter about which somebody can express their opinion then it has the ruling of being marfu'un hukman marfu'un hukman meaning that its correct ruling is that it is attributed to the Prophet ﷺ it is not the opinion of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud An Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiyallahu anhu qal bayna al-sama'i al-dunya wal-lati taliha khamsamiyati amin yani that between the sama'i al-dunya the heaven of this world the one that is just above the earth and the one that follows it the distance between them is 500 years wa bayna kulli sama'in wa sama'in khamsamiyati amin and between each heaven and another one the next one there is also the distance between each of them 500 years and between the seventh heaven the highest heaven and the kursi the footstool of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is also a distance of traveling 500 years and between the kursi and the body the great body of water the bahr that is above the kursi, between the kursi and that body of water, between them is also a distance of 500 years. Wal arshu fawqal ma'i 
and the throne of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is above that water. Yani the water that is above the, the kursi, above that water is the arsh of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Wallahu fawqal arsh, and Allah is above the throne. La yakhfa alayhi shay'un min a'amalikum. And even though Allah is high above the seven heavens and above the, the throne and above the body of water, even though Allah is high above everything of His creation, nothing of your actions or your deeds is hidden from Him. أخرجه ابن مهدي عن حماد ابن سلمة عن عاصم عن زر عن عبد الله ورواق وروى بنحوه المسعودي عن عاصم عن أبي وائل عن عبد الله يعني these are the chains of narration for this hadith قاله الحافظ ابن ذهبي رحمه الله he said that these are the chains for this hadith and he also said وله طرق يعني that it has other narration or other chains of narration Al uh, Imam Al Zahabi narrated this hadith in Al Ulu and he declared it to be acceptable or authentic. And likewise, the Isnad in Al Ulu was declared as being jayid by Shaykh Al Albani in Mukhtasar Al Ulu. And Al Haythami said in Al Majma' that the narrators of this uh, hadith, the narrators in the chain, they are the narrators of Al Sahih, meaning the narrators of Al Bukhari, a Muslim, and that it was declared to be acceptable by Al Zahabi in Al Ulu. And that hadith, actually what he said is that it is that hadith was reported by Abu Dawood the Ismad and Hassan, yani with a good chain of narrative. Likewise, Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah said in his book, Ijtimal Juyush al-Islamiyya, that this hadith is Sahih. The benefits derived from this hadith, the Shaykh mentioned five, the mentioning of the distances between each of the heavens, and the mention, mentioning of the distance between the seventh heaven and the Kursi, and the distance between the kursi and the water, the body of water that is above it, and that that distance is the distance of traveling 500 years, and the meaning of traveling 500 years, the way of traveling for the Arabs at that time, it was by camel. So it means the distance that a, a, a camel would travel in 500 years, that is what is meant by distance of traveling 500 years here. Number two, the confirmation that the kursi and the arsh, yani both of them are existing realities, and likewise, al-ma or the body of water that is above the kursi and below the arsh, uh, it is also an existing reality. Number three, the confirmation of sifatul ulu for Allah subhanahu wa taala, that one of the characteristics of Allah is al-ulu, yani his that he is high, that he is exalted. And number four, the confirmation of the comprehensive, the comprehensiveness of the knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa taala over everything, yani that Allah, though He is above His creation. He has knowledge of everything within his creation. Number five, the clarification of the supremacy or the greatness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the relationship of this hadith and the chapter under discussion in Tawheed is the obligation of declaring the ta'zim of Allah and avoiding shirk. The last evidence... The last evidence that Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab mentions in this chapter, all of these evidences, as I said in the beginning, they're all showing the greatness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And whoever knows the greatness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they would glorify Him and declare His greatness. And they would not imagine making anything in the creation equal to Him or offering worship that belongs to Him alone, to anything besides Him. The last evidence, An al-Abbas ibn Abdul Muttalib, رضي الله عنه يعني the uncle of the prophet Al-Abbas he reported قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم that the Messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم said 
هل تدرون كم بين السماء والأرض Do you all know what is the distance or how much is the distance between the heaven and the earth? Qulna Allah wa Rasuluhu alam. They said with proper adab that Allah and His Messenger knows best. Qala, then the Prophet informed them, Bainahuma, yani between the heavens and the earth, Masiratu khamsa miyati sanatin, the distance that one would travel in 500 years. Women kulli saman ila saman, Masiratu khamsa miyati sanatin. And between one heaven and, and another is the distance of traveling 500 years. And the kithaf, yani which is the samk or the sump, which means the thickness or the ceiling, yani means the ceiling of each of the heavens, its height or its distance from the bottom of it to the top of it, it is also. 500 years and between the seventh heaven and the throne of Allah there is a bahr a great sea and between its lowest part and its uppermost part is the likeness of the distance between the heaven and the earth Wallahu ta'ala fawqa dhalik وَلَيْسَ يَخْفَ عَلَيْهِ شَيْءٌ مِنْ عَمَالِ بَانِ آدَمِ And Allah is above that, يعني above the seven heavens and above the throne and in spite of that, there's nothing of the deeds or the actions of Bani Adam, the children of Adam, the human beings that is hidden to him. أَخْرَجُهُ أَبُوْ دَعُودُ وَغَيْرُهُ He said it has been reported by Abu Dawood and others. Even though this is not the actual wording of Al-Imam Abu Dawood, but it is similar to it, and it is the wording of Al-Imam Ahmed, who has reported it, as well as Al-Tirmidhi and others. And Shaykh Abdul Aziz ibn Ibad says that even though, Rahimahullah, he said that even though that there is inqita, some break in the chain, however, it is يعني, fixed, or it is accepted يعني, as being uh, strengthened due to other evidences. This hadith is one of those hadith about which there is difference of opinion. Shaykh al-Albani, rahimahullah, in his taqreej of the hadith of Kitab al-Sunnah by Imam Ibn Abi Asim, rahimahullah, he said that this hadith contains a narrator, Abdullah ibn Umairah, and the scholars have spoken about him, yani about his weakness. Uh, however, other scholars before, like Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah, said that the imams, the scholars of the people of Sunnah, they have narrated this hadith in their books and they have accepted it yani as an acceptable narration. And likewise, his student, Ibn Qayyim, rahimahullah, in his Tahdeeb of Tahdeeb al-Sunan, yani Tahdeeb of Sunan Abi Dawood, he has also considered this hadith to be strong. The general meaning of this hadith is that here the Messenger of Allah, وسلم, has informed us that the distance between every one of the heavens, the dis- distance between each of them, and between the heaven of this world and the earth and between the seventh heaven and the arsh is 500 years and that the ceiling of every one of the heavens or the thickness or, the, or its dimension from the bottom to the top is a like distance, yani the distance of traveling 500 years and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is above his arsh and that nothing yani, that happens in his creation is hidden from him. The benefits of this hadith, Sheikh mentioned seven. The first of them is the confirmation of the mentioned, the distance that is mentioned in this hadith, yani between the various parts of the creation. And the second of them is that the heavens, they are separated 
one of them from another. Yani they are distinct and separate from one another. There is a distance between each of them. They are not connected to one another. Number three, the confirmation that the samawat are ajram, laha samk. Yani that they are bodies. They are, they are an entity that has a body. And they also have a bound or a ceiling, yani a top, where, that, where they, are, what, what the, that they are limited to. Number four, the clarification of the place of Alma, where is the water, that water, that body of water, Al-Bahr, that is above the Kursi and below the Arsh of Allah, Hanukkah. Number five, the confirmation of the existence of Al-Arsh, that Allah has a throne, is a real entity, is the greatest of the things that Allah has created, and it is above everything, and Allah is above it. Number six, the confirmation of the sifa or characteristic of al-ulu, exalted or highness of Allah subhanahu wa taala. And number seven, the comprehensiveness of the knowledge of Allah over everything. The relationship of this hadith, like the previous, uh, is the obligation of ta'zim of Allah, meaning singling Him out alone for everything that is His right including worship and everything else that is his, that is his exclusive right and avoiding shirk. And quickly, it is possible to look at the Messiah, even though there are so many, but and without mentioning the explanations of each of them, uh, the first of them is the explanation of the saying of Allah, the first ayat, and that the earth, the whole of it, would be in the grip of Allah on Yom Qiyamah. Uh, showing the greatness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The second of them is that uh, this knowledge, the knowledge that the Jewish scholar mentioned to the Prophet ﷺ about the greatness of Allah, that he would grip the heavens and the earth in his hand and roll up the heavens, this knowledge and that which is similar to it remained with the Jews who were in the time of the Prophet ﷺ and they didn't reject it, they didn't negate it, nor did they reinterpret it. And they accepted that it was from the sifat of Allah that he has fingers and that he is so great that he would put on one of his fingers the heavens and the earth and the soil and the water and the trees and everything in the creation. They knew that, they accepted it and they didn't reinterpret it. Unlike some of the Muslims of today who rejected, though it is in the Quran and in the Sunnah. Uh, also that this Jewish scholar when he mentioned to the Prophet ﷺ what he mentioned, the Prophet confirmed it, the truthfulness of what he said, and Qur'an was revealed confirming that. Not at that time, but the Prophet ﷺ recited what had been revealed to him, which was revealed previously, concerning the same matter in agreement with what the Jewish rabbi has said. Number four, that the Prophet ﷺ laughed when this Jewish scholar mentioned this great knowledge to him, and this is an indication that, uh, it's, that he was in agreement with these things that was mentioned. And it also indicates that he was pleased with what he said and that uh, there was no difference. Yani that he didn't dislike what he had heard. Yani that what he said, he was in agreement with it. Number five, the clear mentioning of two hands for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that the heavens would be in his right hand and the earth would be in his other. Number six, the clear mention or the naming of his other hand as shimal, his left hand. And that doesn't mean that there is any defect in the other hand. It is equal. Both of them are perfect. Number seven, the mentioning of al-Jabbarin and al-Mutakabbirin, the tyrants and the proud and arrogant ones at this time, which shows that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that those who are proud and those who are tyrants and they are arrogant, mentioning them here 
is to show that on that day there wouldn't be any tyranny and no one would be proud but everyone would be in their place. Number eight, the saying that uh, the rolling up of the seven heavens in the palm of Allah, in the palm of Ar-Rahman, it would be like a mustard seed in the palm of one of you. The Shaykh said here, this is the confirmation, that it is correct and, and, and right to say Al-Kaf in reference to the hand of Allah, it may be described as having a palm. However, of course, uh, it would not be, I mean, this description should be understood not to be in any way similar to a description of the creatures. And this shows the insignificance and smallness of Allah's creatures in reference to Him, the Creator. Number nine, the greatness of the Kursi in reference to the heavens. And it is, greater, it is much greater than the seven heavens. Uh, and, the, and the greatness of the Arsh in reference to the Kursi, that it is greater than the Kursi. And that the Arsh and the Kursi and the Ma, the body of water, that they are separate and distinct creations. The, the Arsh, the throne of Allah, and the Kursi, and there are two separate creations. Then he mentions a number of issues. Yani, how much is the dif- dif- distance between each of the heavens, and how much is the distance between the seventh, seventh heaven and the Kursi, and how much is the distance between the Kursi and the body of water, and that the arsh of Allah is above that water and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is above the arsh and then how much is the distance between the heaven yani that is just above the earth the distance between the lowest heaven and the earth and that the ceiling of every one of those heavens yani reaching from the bottom of it to the top end of it is the distance of traveling 500 years and the last point is that uh, this bahar or this body of water which is above the kursi it is above the seven heavens. And that body of water from the lowest part of it to the uppermost part of it is also the distance of traveling 500 years, Wallahu A'lam. Time for this. Thomas? Then? Very quickly, uh, we look at the questions very, very briefly, the questions at the end of the handout. The first of them explain the words they have not made a just estimate of Allah. The general meaning of these words is that the pagan disbelievers did not give Allah his just due and they didn't recognize his greatness and his glory and the proof of that is that they made something equal to him they gave the rights that belonged to him to other than him by worshipping something of the creation discuss the words and on the day of resurrection the whole of the earth will be qabdatuhu and the heavens will be matuwiyatun biyaminihi and the meaning of these words is that on the day of resurrection the greatness and the glory of Allah will be completely manifest not like today where some people might think that they are human beings or other creatures that are Greek that they glorify and they praise and they might even worship but on that day it will be clear because the whole earth will be in the grip of Allah and the heavens will be rolled up in the right hand of Allah number three discuss the meaning of at-tasbih in the expression subhanallah subhanallahi wa ta'ala amma yushrikun subhanallah or the meaning of at-tasbih here it means at-tanzih it means to declare Allah to be free of any imperfection. Subhanallah, which is normally translated as glory to Allah, the actual meaning of Subhanallah, it is a declaration or acknowledgement that Allah is perfect, that Allah is free of any imperfection. Mention some of the sifat of Allah mentioned in this verse. Of the sifat of Allah that are mentioned in this verse is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has a right hand and also that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, has a grip, yani, that the earth, earth will be in the grip or the grasp of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
what did the Hibr or Habr, Jewish scholar, report to the, report to the Prophet about Allah? He reported to him something of the greatness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And some of the narrations concerning this incident as mentioned in Kitab al-Tawheed, uh, Al-Imam al-Bukhari and the explanation of Kitab al-Tawheed from Sahih al-Bukhari. Some of the narrations mention that the Prophet said to that Jewish scholar, Khawwifna, yani narrate to us something that will frighten us, will show us the greatness of Allah. And he mentioned to him something about the greatness of Allah, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would put on one of his fingers the heavens, and that he would put on one of his fingers the earth and the water and the soil, and on one of his fingers so-and-so and such-and-such the trees and the mountains and the rest of his creation. What is the aqeedah of Ahl sunnah concerning the hands of Allah? In brief, the aqeedah of Ahl sunnah concerning the hands of Allah is that we confirm as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has confirmed for himself in the Qur'an. And as the Prophet have confirmed in innumerable authentic hadith, we confirm that Allah indeed has hands and that they are two. And even though in some narrations they might be described as yameen and shimal, but in fact, Kilta, Yadehi, Yameen, both of them are perfect, both of them are honored, both of them are equal. And we don't make any interpretation or comparison between the hands of Allah and the hands of His creatures, whether human or animal or otherwise, but we confirm them as, we, as, as it is understood in the Arabic language without any reinterpretation and without negating it and without making any comparison. What do we know about Al-Qursi and Al-Arsh? We know that these are two separate distinct creations of Allah and that the Qursi according to the authentic narration of Abdul ibn Abbas it is the Mawdiyah Qadamay al-Rahman it is the place of the two feet of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the Arsh is his throne which is the greatest of his creation though the Qursi is greater than the seven heavens the Arsh is greater than the Qursi mention the Aqeed of Ahl sunnah concerning where is Allah the Aqeed of Ahl sunnah concerning the, pres- the, the place of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is as he has said in the Quran that he has ascended above the throne and we know from the sunnah of the Prophet that the throne of Allah is above all of the creation therefore where is Allah? Allah is above all of his creation Allah is above his throne above everything separate and distinct the Khalik, the creator is separate, distinct above and outside of the makhluk, the creation what is the relationship of this chapter to the subject of the Tawheed? The relationship of this chapter to the subject of a tawheed is this, that this chapter shows the obligation of declaring the greatness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by not making anything equal to Him or comparing anything to Him or giving or, or comparing anything to Allah or giving to anything in the creature, in the creation, the rights that belong to Allah alone, meaning not uh, attributing to them anything of the divine characteristics of Allah or naming them with the divine names of Allah or worshipping them or offering to them any kind of worship that is the right of Allah alone. Mention some of the rulings of benefits derived from this chapter and it is that which has been mentioned under each evidence. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika shadun la ilaha illa anta tafruka wa atubu ilayki So any questions or comments or corrections perhaps, I don't know, is there any time or is there no time? Naam? Maybe one question only. Naam? Naam? Naam. MashaAllah. Naam. Naam. Jazakallah khair. If, if the galaxies are, I don't know how many thousands or millions of light years 
And the Prophet ﷺ has said that between each of the heavens is 500 years, not light years, but traveling on a camel. Then there's either one of two possibilities. One, that what they have said, it is not true. If we found it really to be true, in that case, then we will we will try to make a comparison. Is there some way to make reconciliation between what they have said and understanding that hadith in a way where there is no contradiction? If we cannot make reconciliation between them, then we will know that that hadith is not authentic. Because it is not possible that reality, the fact that is proven, that we see and that we know to be a fact, that it can be in contradiction to that which has been revealed from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to the Prophet the Prophet ﷺ, what he has said is not from his own self. What he has said is his only revelation. Therefore, either it has been unauthentically reported from him. If we find that what they have said is true, and there is no way to reconcile what they have said and what we understand from the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, then we know it has not been authentically reported from him. Because there cannot be a contradiction between what Allah has revealed and what we find in, the, and in our actual experience in the real world. So if we find, if we witness and know that what they have said is true, then we will try to understand the hadith in a way that would not be in contradiction with what we know to be the reality. And if there is no way to reconcile, then we will reject the hadith. Because we cannot say that the Prophet ﷺ has said something, that he has actually said it. That he has actually said it. Because as you know, in the science of hadith, we know that every hadith which has been declared to be weak, we cannot say definitely, confidently, that it is a fabrication. But we are saying because it has some defect, or some shortcoming, we are in doubt about it. Therefore, we declare it to be weak. But we are not saying that every weak hadith is really false. A weak hadith could actually be a statement of the Prophet ﷺ. And likewise, the opposite. Every hadith that has been declared sahih, we are saying it is sahih because it is more likely that it is sahih since we don't find any defect in it. However, we are not saying absolutely that every hadith which has been declared to be sahih is in fact, without a doubt, the statement of the Prophet ﷺ. Because even a hadith that has been declared to be sahih could be a false statement. Just as a hadith that has been declared to be weak, it could be a true statement. But we are saying that that which has been declared to be sahih, it is more likely that it is really the statement of the Prophet and the opposite for that which has been declared to be weak. I think 